Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 10th of December 2023. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me, my name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Paul continued our Advent theme of Christ is Coming, with the call of John the Baptist. The reading is Luke chapter 3 verses 1 to 6. I'm sorry about some plinky noises at the start of the service, um, the computer was doing some weird things. But we'll go and join Paul now as he's introducing the service. We're a couple of minutes late getting started, my apologies for that. Uh, the reason is really, really, really simple. It's because we're going to start by bringing a family before the church in prayer. I've been catching up with Gemma about mum and dad, both of whom are now in hospital for separate reasons, sort of different wards in the same hospital, if you see what I mean. Uh, at the moment, it's a bit of an unknown as to what's going on. So we've just been talking, and I, I, I've asked Gemma if it would be okay if we started this morning's service as a church praying for the Wilson family. Ben is also um, a bit unwell at the moment too. Let's pray. Father, we bring before you Catherine and Peter, Ben and Gemma. And we simply pray, Lord, that with all the difficulties each one faces, all the trials and the tribulations, all the worries and the anxieties, the health issues and the not knowing, amidst all of that, amidst the confusion, amidst the not being able to find out what's going on, all of them who know and love you would simply rely upon the fact that you are Lord, sovereign Lord, and that you love them, that your peace is with them, your grace surrounds them, and your love upholds them. Whatever their circumstances, Lord, we pray a blessing on each one. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Gemma, would you do us a favour when you speak to your mum and your dad, would you give them, give them our love, our prayers and, and our, our best wishes, but also keep us informed if you can. Is that okay? Bless you. Friends, there are a few notices. Uh, we're going to go through them really quite quickly. They are as per the sheet that you currently have, and there are just a few more. One is to remind you that tonight at the hub is Cafe Church. So please come along to Cafe Church tonight if you are able. And secondly, with regards to the Hub, uh, Lorraine and I and everybody else involved in yesterday's Christmas fair at the Hub want to thank everyone who supported it in any way. Thank you if you've made or you donated items. Thank you if you helped transport or set up or tidy away afterwards. Thank you if you served behind a stall, a counter or on a game. Thank you if you came to buy items and just talk with our community. But most of all, thank you for covering the event with prayer. And thank God for his blessing. It was a great atmosphere and so many of our community expressed their gratitude for all that happened. Now one of the greatest hits of the afternoon was, let's just call it, Tommy's Button Game. And if you want to know what that is, please ask Tommy after the service over a coffee. But the winner of the under 10 prize was Ellie. Now, I don't know if Ellie's here this morning. If Ellie, would you want to come and get a prize? <laughs> now, now, there you go, Ellie. All I can tell you about the prize, all I can tell you about the prize, Ellie, is it involves a box, some chocolate, and a, 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 a toy dog. But, <laughs> sorry? Only the box, all right. That's good. If you only want the box, mine's the Milky Way stars afterwards. Very good. But thank you. 
Now, although we deliberately, in this time of problem and issue and community under stress, kept the prices very low, we did raise some funds for the hub. And after costs, we made the grand total of £930.58p. Now, bless you, that's very good, dear church. But how good would it be, how nice would it be, how much of a blessing would it be for the hub if we pushed that a little and passed the £1,000 mark? There are still some craft items and some gifts to buy. They're all in the link room. They're set up there. There are, I have to tell you, some of the most adorable wooden reindeer, thank you, Mike, that are sitting there as well. In reality, and, oh, sorry, and I forgot Kevin as well, sorry. So can I encourage you to do something after the service, either before you go for a coffee or after you've been, or if you're wandering up there with a cup, that's okay. Can I invite you to go and have a look? Because in reality, we'd love to bless the hub some more. But if you can't walk that far, there are some cakes left over. Okay? So if you want to bless the hub by buying a cake, Chris, I think they're in the hall, yeah? Uh, Then please feel free with your cup of coffee to have cake. Secondly, another notice about next week. Next week, our morning service will not be recorded. We normally record our morning service. We put it on YouTube. If you're a YouTube watcher or listener, apologies. We won't be doing that next Sunday morning. We will, however, be doing it next Sunday evening. So our carol service, by carols by candlelight, will be online, posted online after the event. But because of our children being involved in such a large way next week, we won't be putting that on YouTube. Then to say, the young people this morning, after we've lit the Advent candle in a while, they'll be leaving. Uh, They're going to leave because they've got preparations to do. It's a dress rehearsal today. That's all I know. But but hey, for next week's nativity. And talking of nativity, we have this morning a knitted nativity. How about that then? Well done. Thank you for all the knitters in town, in the church, that got together and did all of that. We couldn't quite work out how to put all of that lot in there with the kings, okay, to, to sort of make it look quite spectacular. So suffice to say, the kings haven't arrived yet. <laughs> okay, very biblical, this. <laughs> I, was, I was quite tempted to say they haven't been knitted, but that would be lying. The reality is they haven't arrived yet. But thank you. If you're involved in that in any way, thank you, Andy, for making the, the stable for us. Bless you for doing that this year for us as a very different way in this church of having a nativity and lastly but not leastly on the 25th of December after the service is a Christmas meal now I know some of you already said could you come along the answer is you can if you would come along, like to come along and share with what will probably be about 20 of us we think ish that sort of number uh, please can I ask you either with myself or Lorraine just to let us know your name, the number of meals and any dietary needs and then just come along after the service and have some fun. It will be a traditional Christmas turkey meal. That's all the notices. Before we do anything else, we're going to light our Advent candle. Mary's going to come and do this. I found out a fact about Mary earlier on, just to let you know. I'm not going to reveal a lady's age, but I will tell you this is the first time ever Mary's lit those candles. Quite a privilege. <laughs> we light two candles today. And on the second Sunday of Advent, we remember peace. Mary, those. On the second Sunday of Advent, 
we remember peace. Luke chapter 2 verse 14 says this, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on the earth be peace to those on whom his favour rests. Whilst Mary lights those candles, let's give thanks to God in prayer. This world needs peace. Let's pray for peace. O God of hope, give us endurance, encouragement, joy and peace. Move us to repentance. Change our hearts with your eternal word and dwell within us forever. On this second week of Advent, keep us in perfect peace as our mind stays on the truth of your powerful love. And we pray peace across the world, from Israel to the Ukraine and beyond. Thank you for your mighty sovereign hand. Help us to trust fully in you and rest in the peace that you offer. For we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Um. Children off to go. Off you go. <laughs> Let's just pray for them. Take care now. Right. See you later. Lord, bless these folks as they rehearse. May what they do in their rehearsal speak to them, we pray this morning. Amen. Okay. Um, I just want to, I want you to sort of give me just three or four minutes. To, I want you to humor me. I'll only do this once. So if you don't like what I'm going to do in the next few minutes... Don't worry, it's never going to happen again. Historically, in the Northern Hemisphere, and in the West generally, when it comes to the worship of God, we tend to follow a tune. We have books and notes, and we sing together in unison or in harmony. And even in in liturgy, we say prayers together or say the Bible together. But you know, in lots of parts of the world, it doesn't happen like that. When you come to worship, everybody sings and at the same time, but often they sing the tune that comes to them, or words that come to them. And um, I was brought up in a Pentecostal church where often in a time of worship, the whole congregation would suddenly become, it would be electric, and everybody would be singing, but they'd be singing a song that God was giving them at that moment, in words that were coming to them. And you'd listen to it, you'd, you'd sound absolutely amazing. I think this is just incredible sound. In fact, you can look in the Bible, if you want to ask me about it, tell me, ask me afterwards. But there are a number of occasions in the Bible when that type of worship, non-unison worship, but everybody singing together all at the same time, differently, is recorded in the Bible. And I've noticed a few times in the last few weeks, we've tried to go that way ourselves a few times, but it usually ends up with one or two being brave enough to start to sing. And it goes a bit flat. But, you know... A few years ago, I was on a music course with, uh, as a worship leader with, with a chap called Graham Kendrick. Whoa. And he actually taught us a lesson, actually, how to help a congregation get through that barrier. And I want to teach this lesson to you now. So, um, just forget the note. Okay, so, this group across here, I want you to sing on that note. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. 
Right, this group in the middle, and perhaps a few of the ladies on the back row there, folks. You worthy is the Lamb who was slain on that note together with me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And again, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And this group across here, oh, you are worthy, our Lord and God with me. You are worthy, our Lord and God. Now all together, sing your so da, da, da. Together, okay, off we go. Holy is the Lord, Right, now, louder. Holy is the Lamb who was slain. Right, I want to hear that harmony. Just listen to the harmony. You've got three notes there, all in harmony. Now, I want you to keep doing it over and over again. Right, so you keep singing it on that note, that phrase, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Keep doing it about four times. This group, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Three or four times on the same note. And then this group, you are worthy, our Lord and God. Keep doing it three or four times. After three. One, two, three. Now, I'm going to be really brave. We're going to say the same thing again. So, you ask your notes over that group there. This is your note here. This is your note here. But this time, mix it all up. So, you, you just take any phrase you like. We'll just stick with your note, but just keep singing any phrase you like. All right? Loudly. Okay, after three. One, two, three. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, O Lord, and our God. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Okay. Right? Okay. Fine. Good. Now, what I'm going to do is just get through that barrier of having to sing the same thing as your neighbour. And once you've got through that barrier, when we come to those times in worship, when the Holy Spirit just wants to move on your heart... And it gives you a, a song, a tune, and you just want to let it come out. You get used to the idea of you, your voice singing to God. It doesn't matter what your neighbour's doing, but you want you to give that permission and that sort of ability to do that. And you can practice that, as we've just done now. We won't do it again, I promise you. Come to the next slide. Okay, we are going to sing, say together now. Now, in the Revelation... The book of Revelation, chapter 4, chapter 5, there's lots of songs in heaven. And I've put them together here on this PowerPoint. So this is just scripture. And we're going to say these verses together. Okay, let's stand and worship. Together we say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, O God and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.
Let us pray for the church and for the world and thank God for his goodness. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you promised through your Son Jesus Christ to hear us when we pray in faith. Bless and guide Charles our King and his government to give wisdom in all authority and direct this and every nation in the ways of justice and of peace that men may honour one another and seek the, the common good. We pray for the conflicts in the world. The ongoing war in Israel. We pray for the families involved and innocent people caught up in it. Particularly the increased fighting overnight, which is affecting the civilian population on both sides. We pray that humanitarian aid will be continued to be allowed in and for the ongoing peace process. We pray for the situation in Ukraine. It's a conflict that's shortly about to go into its third year with no end in sight. Lord, we pray for the leaders on both sides. Pray that a lasting peace may ensure. We pray for the vocals who are linked missionaries in Nepal. On the news, recent newsletter, we have some prayer requests. Pray for the families affected for the recent earthquake, for the winterization and reconstruction efforts to be going forward. And a continued and prayerful Christian community response to key social needs around them. We ask us to pray for the well-being and full recovery of Pastor Grishma's son, who is recovering from a heart operation. We pray for the issue of human trafficking, which is affecting the poorly youth. Pray for those assisting with rescue, recovery, and reintegration to society of Nepal for Nepali girls and teenagers who have suffered from exploitation. We pray for Dorothy and other Nepali staff and managers in the INF for energy, for vision, and for strategy so the organisations may be effective for relevant for years to come. And finally, we pray for the children. It's exam season for Jakey, so we pray for him. And we pray for them as they, have, they hope to have a break in Pokhara over Christmas. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this season of Advent, which gives us opportunity for reflection and for preparation of the remembrance of your arrival. We pray for ourselves that we will ensure that we will have Jesus at the centre of all we do. As we send cards and give gifts and invitations to perhaps special events and services, Jesus be the centre. We thank you for the event at the Hub yesterday, for the coming together of church to serve the community. And we continue to pray your blessing on the families that regularly come there, Lord. And we seek to make you known there, Lord. We pray that there will be breakthrough, Lord. And Father, we pray for the work locally of Homestart and the food cupboard, as their resources will be stretched as the families and individuals are struggling at the moment, Lord. We pray for your blessing. Lord, we know there will be lots of opportunities to give to charities over this season. 
We pray for your Holy Spirit to be at work in our hearts, Lord, that you will lay it on our hearts which to give to, Lord, and how we can be generous, Lord. We pray for the homeless. I know that Liverpool and Bristol have both said that they've never seen so many tents, whether it's um, due to unintentional or intentional homelessness because of the housing crisis. Our Heavenly Father, we do pray for our government that long-term solutions will be realised. Father, we just pray for our local Hope Centre, Lord, here. We pray that as they seek to come alongside those who are needing help, you'll provide all that is needed. Spending time with friends and family is usually a joyful time over this season, Lord, but we know that there will be those whose experience will be stressful or there's tension in the families. Each of us will know perhaps of various situations. And we pray, Lord, for those. And where we can, Lord, help us to be the peacemakers. And we pray for those where there might be an empty chair at the table because of the loss of a relationship or a loved one. We pray, Lord, that you will fill that space. And each again of us will have those in our minds for that. We pray for those unwell. We've already prayed for Catherine and Peter, Lord, in hospital. But there will be others. And each of you will know of someone this morning who is unwell. Just bring them to the Lord in your hearts, Lord. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are with us and that you hear our prayer. And we pray, Jesus, be the centre Be my source, be my light. Jesus, be the centre, be my hope, be my song. Be my vision, be my path, be my guide. Be the fire in my heart, be the wind in these sails. Be the reason that I love, Jesus. Thank you so much. That was really great. Really appreciate that. That all God's people say, Amen. Amen Amen to those prayers. We're going to sing a traditional Advent hymn. I know some of you like me to play the old hymns on the organ, so we're going to do that now. But you know, something about these great old hymns is they're absolutely packed with such meaning and great theology. Just looking at the words we're about to sing, really, you know, it's part of what's John Baptist said, he comes into a darkened world to be its truth and light. That those whose eyes are closed to God may yet regain their sight. He comes to bind the broken heart, to comfort the distressed, to pour the treasures of his grace on outcast and oppressed. Amazing words. I want you to join with me in singing this wonderful, wonderful hymn. And let's just think about the words. You know, so often when we sing songs, we just think, oh, I didn't, I didn't like that tune, or, or I don't like that instrument, or, or don't like the organ, or, you know. Don't let that bother you. Just think of these incredible words and just reflect on it and worship the Lord as we sing this, this Advent hymn.
So John the Baptist prepares the way. So in Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iteria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the reign, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. Thank you, Anne, and thank you, Steve. You can take two minutes off. You can do nothing about the Christmas preparations, whatever they are, whatever you's on your mind, for the next 20 minutes. I wonder, what's Christmas preparation like in your house? Someone once said you could divide it into two categories, festive or frantic. What's it like in your house, I wonder? Remember last week, Tommy reminded us, didn't he, that we all need to be ready for Christ's coming. He's coming again in glory and power. And he told us, didn't he, that that word Advent, this is the season of Advent, means it's a Latin word for arrival or potentially arrive again. What's the preparations for this Christmas like in your house? Are they festive or frantic? What, happened, what would happen if I told you that this morning what we're going to do is take all of your Christmas preparations and narrow them down? And prove to you, you only need to do one thing to prepare for Christmas. How cool would that be? Let's give it a go. We meet this character, John. Thank you for reading that. And with those lovely, brilliant words and names at the beginning, I bet you I wasn't uh, best flavour in your house. But nonetheless, that puts John in context. It puts him in time. It's there to say something to us, that this isn't some sort of ephemeral character, but this is someone that was real and in time. And that's exactly why those words are there. And we find this John crying out in the wilderness, prepare, he says, Christ is coming. If John the Baptist was standing here this morning in front of you all, he would do exactly the same. Prepare, he would shout. Christ is coming again. And I think he'd emphasise something. 
that's been on my heart and the heart of many of you, I know. I think time is short, friends. I don't think we've got long. I, I, I was once speaking to one of my relatives about me being a minister. It's quite an interesting thing if you've got non-Christians in your family, particularly if they're close family members to you. It's interesting because they go, in the one hand they go, this is my friend, brother, uncle, cousin, whatever. He's a minister. And the other hand they go, don't believe a word of it. For my relatives, even if they're listening online, I say to them, prepare, time is short. Jesus Christ is coming again and he's coming again soon. We don't have long. And for one of them, not that long ago, they basically said this to me, well, I can wait until I'm on my deathbed, let me tell you the truth. Jesus Christ comes, you won't have time. And if you want to know how soon his coming is, did any of you think when you stepped in the, foot, in the door that by quarter to eleven Jesus would have come? Because scripture says it's when you don't think he's coming, he's going to come. And if you therefore haven't been thinking he's coming, that proves how close his coming is. And if you can't follow that, <laughs> basically what that means is he's coming now. In this season of Advent, as we prepare for something, we should listen again to the message of John the Baptist. Prepare, he says, and repent. If we are truly going to prepare ourselves this season, this Advent season for Christ's coming and his coming again, then we must be prepared to repent. That's John's call. Now John never says this. He never says, if you know Jesus Christ, you don't need to repent. He knew Jesus, didn't he? It's his cousin, for goodness sake. Second cousin, once removed, I think, technically. But you get my drift. Repent, he says. It's a life-giving, love-giving call of a saviour that calls you to repentance, friends. It's not, it's not as if, you know, there is a sense in which this is difficult, because in truth, this is loving. We must examine ourselves, cleanse our life. And if you want to know why we need to repent, we repent because Jesus Christ says the kingdom of God is here. And if the kingdom of God is here, then we need to listen to that call. Because bluntly, there is not a single person in this room that is not a sinner. We all need repentance. How do I know that? I'm going to do something. I'll knock the walls down before. Let me prove something to you. Okay, if you'll stand up for a minute for me. It's going to be really simple. All you've got to do is, listen, count. Ready? If you think you're more than four steps away from the cross, sit down. <laughs> That's most of you, if not all of you. <laughs> if you're more than four steps away from the cross, if you couldn't manage to get there in four or less steps, can you sit down? That's what I meant, sorry. Put it the wrong way around. <laughs> yeah, I'd sit down. But there is a point to that. What on earth is he on about? Here's the point. Here's the point. The person closest to the cross this morning is the man that needs him most. Me. Got that? The person that's closest to the cross this morning is the man that needs him most. Me. What about you? Your need is as great as mine.
You are more, more, more than four steps away from the cross. I thought about trying to make it in three. Then I realised I'd have to plough down the knitted nativity. <laughs> that wouldn't be very good, would it really? Can you not see though, friends, we all need that cross. We all need to repent. Come, the time is short, says John. Now I have a confession. It's true of Lorraine, my son and everybody else in my family. It's about me, it's very personal. I'd ask that you hold it in confidence. I have been banned by every single member of my family from singing Christmas songs until we get to December. (laughs) It is absolutely true, right? I am one of those people, you know you go into shops in... Well, I want to tell you, I made a note of this. Okay, not, well, it's not in my head. The first one I heard this year, first Christmas song, was August. <laughs> Is that cool? I was on holiday. No. Anyway, I know I'm banned because I started singing in a rainbow. No, not until December. <laughs> until December comes, I'm allowed to sing. Well, anyway, the first song I heard in August this year, I've decided to share with you, because I think it's appropriate for today. Here it goes. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Tis the season to be jolly. Uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Tis the season to be jolly. You might slightly disagree with that. When you look at your December calendar and all there is going on. Or you attempt to fit some Christmas shopping in. Or you wonder when you're going to put the decorations up or you haven't bought the turkey yet, or you're still going to buy the present for Auntie Maud, who's always difficult, and by the by, you always see it in the charity shop in January. Oh, we've all got an Auntie Maud. <laughs> in many ways, it's the season to be frantic. Doing all those things. The season to be jolly. If your house is like my house, then this week, Christmas is one week closer And the list of what we've got to do seems to grow weekly, if not daily. You know what I mean. I made some thoughts of us at home. Christmas cards to to, to send, sprouts still to to peel, houses to clean, Christmas presents to purchase, car journeys to see relatives that we've got to endure. And the list goes on and on and on. And if your house is different, anyone here think they're under control? Christmas, oh hello. (laughs) The McLaren household, that's the place to be this year then. (laughs) It's all under control. The lists are growing shorter. How much effort, I wonder, I I admire you, my point, right? But how much effort has already gone into preparing for Christmas? I may be thinking, thanks a lot. I was hopeful of just coming here. Falling asleep during the sermon, not having to stand up. Hopeful of a few minutes rest in church this morning. And now I'm all stressed out. What if I could make your Christmas preparation simpler? And I think I can. Because there's only one thing we need to do. Repent. That's the way to be prepared for Christmas. Be prepared for his second coming. If only we put Christians of this church as much effort into repentance as we do into buying the turkey 
we'd have a brilliant Christmas. The challenge is we don't. We just simply don't. I love John the Baptist. Those wonderful words, Luke 3 verse 4, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice is one of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. John, was that voice crying out in the wilderness? Wow. And that, that voice, Christ, that words rather, Christ is coming, were echoed by the prophets throughout the centuries. John was also going to join in. I love this fact, if you've never thought of it this way. But John was going to join in the prophetic word in a very different way. The Old Testament prophets saw through the eyes of faith. But John the Baptist saw face to face. His prophetic word is different. Because he didn't rely on, have to rely on faith. He said, one is coming and here he is. And he pointed towards Jesus. Wow. A voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare a way. And as it says in Luke 3, he, John the Baptist, went out into the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Wow. One saying, come, the king is coming, and here he is. It would be lovely if as a pastor you went up someone's house and you heard, Paul is coming, here he is. doesn't quite go like that. I've been up some, uh, to someone's door once and I heard, quick, put it all away. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely true. Uh, okay, it's fine. And I'm not going to embarrass anyone because there's not anyone at this church. But I have to the door, quick, put it all away. <laughs> One mum, I went to see her, I knocked on the door, she went, quick, if you don't do as you told Paul, I'll tell you off. <laughs> anyway, you get the drift. But John the Baptist cries, here he is. This is Jesus. He's the Messiah. If he were here, we'd say, he's coming again. We need to prepare. I'm going to invite you in a minute to forget about the turkey and the presents. For one moment, okay? And prepare to do something astonishing. That passage is awesome. Think of verses 5 and 6. They're not up on the screen, but not to worry. Of 5 and 6, it says this. That every valley will be filled in. Every mountain and hill removed. So the path is level. That's what it calls us to do. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads will become straight. And rough ways made smooth. Why say that? Because friends. If you think of it logically. In your life and in my life, it's the mountains and the hills, the crooked roads, the rough ways that stop us getting to Jesus, don't they? What about if the valley was filled in, the mountains laid low? What about if the roads were made straight and smooth? It would be so much easier to be with Jesus, wouldn't it? That's the call of repentance. That's what you can do this morning. Repentance begins with an inspection of your life, surveying your thoughts, your actions, your attitudes. 
to see if they perfectly line up with what God requires of you. So let's do that as part of our act this morning of worship. For literally 10 seconds, I'm going to ask you to do me a favour. In your mind, do a quick survey. Does your thoughts, your actions and your attitude perfectly line up with what God requires of you? Have 10 seconds for yourself and do a quick survey. Do you know, I'm going to reveal to you what happened in my own life when I did that for myself when I was preparing this and I'm going to assume that you and I are fairly much the same when I did that I suddenly suddenly realised don't we how far short we've fallen of God's glory of his grace It, it revealed to me those kind of mountains of selfishness and arrogance that have piled up and in my case sometimes being snappy and bad tempered and if that's been you I've been that to you lately I ask, for your apolog- I ask for your forgiveness and I apologise. In reality, it showed me how I could be more concerned about myself than about others. How I needed to recognise that sometimes I made me the centre of attention. Built myself up instead of others. But it also revealed some valleys. The valleys of doubt. That lead us sometimes to ignore certain parts of God's word. Because they're inconvenient or embarrassing. We're not careful we can do that. It reveals, when we do this survey, the crooked roads that lead us to enjoy saying things or seeing things that we shouldn't. The arrogance that leads us to look down on others. The anger that we harbour in our hearts for what someone said or did to us in the past. And I think the temptation this morning is to do this. To do that quick spiritual journey. And please, I ask you to do it more. It's very... Very, very therapeutic in the right sense of the word under God. And think, all right, it's certainly not perfect, but it's not bad. It's just a little mountain, a shadowy valley, a scenic road maybe, but nothing at all bad and all that serious. But the challenge is, when we take that view, we overlook and we can say we discount sin. It's just a small hill. It's certainly not a mountain. Strange, isn't it? John the Baptist knew something. We're more willing to overlook the sin in our own lives and still point to the sin in others. Yes, this is personal, because guess what? It was personal to me. Friends, the first thing to get your head around is that sin lies. Yet John didn't lie when he called us to repent. Not because it benefited him, not even because it benefited Jesus, but because it benefits you and I. Repentance is wholly healthy. Because there is a problem with sin. And the problem is really easy and simple once you see it. But it has a power over you. And sin gets its power by persuading me, you, to believe that you'll be more happy if you follow it. The power of any temptation that you're facing at the moment in your life is that it offers the prospect that it will make you happier than you are if you just give into it. 
But the reality is that sin lies. And rather than happiness, the only prospect it offers you is bondage. Bondage to sin itself. I invite you this morning to break the chains of bondage. And I think if John were here, he'd say this. Minehead Baptist Church, if you want to be serious with God, repent. It's a very simple message this morning. Because sin is dangerous, and the Lord himself warns us in Isaiah 59, chapter 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Sin intends to destroy our relationship with God and to place barriers that rob us of God's blessing. Sin intends to create a chasm that separates us from the God of etern- for eternity. And sin calls for that major spiritual reconstruction in our lives. My Baptist Church, if you want to do something really profound this Advent, if you really, truly want the walls of this church to come down, if you really want to prepare well this Christmas, then this is our moment. When we simply lay all we have at the foot of the Lord, and we repent. It is that simple. Astonishing, really. It is that simple. And as we do that, As we take John's message of repentance and see the seriousness of sin and lay it before the Lord, something amazing happens. Uh, One commentator said, we can bring all of this stuff that John's talking about to the, and I quote, one-man construction crew of Jesus Christ. Beautiful image. Because he then goes on and says this, Only Jesus can complete the major spiritual construction project needed in our lives. Only Jesus' powerful, perfect life and sacrificial death can blast away the boulders that once barred our entrance into heaven. Only Jesus can fill in those valleys of doubt in the authority of God's word as he humbly followed God's will perfectly in our place. Only Jesus can straighten out those crooked paths of our wandering thoughts and eyes by living a life that was always in line with God's will for us. Jesus perfectly paves the way to heaven's home. He builds the bridge that crosses the chasm of sin and death. What a beautiful image of an amazing saviour. And then he says this, and he's done it. Jesus has done that by building a freeway. Now the freeway is the American word for motorway, just to let you know. A freeway. And I would add, in the truest sense of the word, to heaven, every sin fully paid, eternal life completely purchased, salvation won by Jesus Christ. Because you see, the truth of all of this stuff with John the Baptist is, many people came to be baptised, but many more did not. And you only see your need for Christ when you appreciate what Christ has come to do for you. That's what repentance does. It leads us to daily recognise our sin, its seriousness, and to turn to Christ, trusting that he's fully forgiven all sins in every way. And that through faith in Christ, we're on our way to heaven. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour this morning, can I tell you, you are truly blessed. You will be spending eternity with me. Hallelujah. (laughs) I noticed it was just one. (laughs) 
and with, but it's true, but not with the me I am now, but with the me I was always meant to be. The one who is so close to the cross that he cannot be separated. The one thing we need to prepare for Christmas, repentance. That's it in a nutshell. One thing I think we can all see this Advent is this. If we just stop for one short moment and think of that survey, we all are very good, every single person, at convincing ourselves that we need to get the whole list of things done in order for it to be a successful or jolly Christmas. Do you know those, those things? My best Christmas memories, friends, are not about stuff. They're about people. My best Christmas memories, friends, are not about the time when my presents were high, but maybe when the present was love. My best Christmas memory is not about the fact that mum and dad bought me the latest PlayStation 12 or whatever it is. Because Playstations weren't around in my day. It was called pen and paper then. (laughs) Not that at all. Not that at all. Want to know my strongest Christmas memory ever? I was eight. My mum had decided we couldn't afford much, but I loved bar sixes. Anyone know bar sixes? Remember them? I loved them. They were my thing. And my mum had saved up all year and Pop Black was on the telly. It was my mum's favourite programme. I will remember it forever because it's really tricky watching Pop Black in black and white. <laughs> Which absolutely is what we did. And, and I, I, my mum, I had these two presents. I had this tight, well, that size snooker table. I think it's called a one-sixteenth or a one-eighth. Look it up when you get home and you'll see how tiny it is. And a pack of bar sixes. And my mum said those most amazing words any mum could ever say to you. She said, if you want to meet them all before lunch, you can. Which I proceeded to do. <laughs> There's a knock on the door. Okay, you need to know when, for this bit of the story that my mum was not the most huggy, loving person in the world. And the fact is, my sister told me that my trouble was that I looked like my dad. If you see my son, someone said to me this morning how much he looks like me. That was my trouble too, I looked like my dad. And so when my dad died, my sister reckons my mum went, no. And there we are, there's a knock on the door. It is Christmas Day, it is two Jehovah's Witnesses. (laughs) And they're standing there. And they start to talk to my mum, and I remember part of the conversation, the bit I remember most is they tell my mum that um, something about, you know, that, that uh, uh, you shouldn't go into hospital and have a blood transfusion. And my mum being my mum said, tell me in the Bible where it says we shouldn't help people then. And there was this conversation going on, and this little boy rushed up, having eaten his whole pack of bar six, I think there were four bars in case you wanted to know the number, and I was promptly sick over the Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> now... <laughs> My reason for telling you that is not the Jehovah's Witnesses, but to say my mum then went, she went like this. I've got to stop and look after my son. My Christmas memory is not of bar sixes 
and it breaks my heart now, or of that pool table, but of my mum and the love. How dare we make Christmas about turkey and tinsel when it's all about repentance and family. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning in need of you. In need of your... Just to come and repent, Lord. To say sorry. To acknowledge the ways that we've not prepared for your coming again. Not acknowledge your coming at all. We repent and turn back to you. We lay aside all the mountains in our lives, give you all the valleys, bring crooked paths that can be made straight and smooth out, ask you to smooth out the rough ways. And we pray as we do so that we prepare our hearts well this Christmas and that as John himself said from that prophecy in Isaiah, all mankind will see God's salvation. May we wait on you, Lord, and may you be blessed. In Jesus' name.
the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace and of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end he will reign on david's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, 
and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. For me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Savior. My God will hear me. then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. one calling. In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Friends, what I learnt that time with my mum when I was sick over those Jehovah's Witnesses, and truly I was, uh, I remember my mum turning away and saying, I wonder if we'll get the bill for the cleaning. Through the, through the letterbox. What I learned was this. See, what I didn't tell you is that that was when my mum first noticed I had measles. This little eight-year-old boy, sick on Christmas Day, had measles. But it was a glorious Christmas. 
Not because I got measles, but because the one that loved, loved. I want to invite you to turn in repentance to the one that loved. So much so that he loved you to the grave and beyond. To life eternal. So therefore I would love as a blessing to read the words of Psalm 51 over you. Because they're words that say, turn to the Lord. This is David's great psalm of repentance. In the midst of all that had gone on, in the midst of adultery, in the midst of murder, he turns to God and remembers the one that loves. And I'm going to change the word me to you. And simply ask you at the end in your heart to say Amen. If it's your prayer to your Lord. Have mercy on you, O God, I pray. According to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, may he blot out your transgressions. Wash away all your iniquities. Cleanse you from your sins. For you know your transgressions, you know your sins, and you know they're always there before you. You know that against God and God alone you have sinned, that you've done what is evil in his sight. You know that he's been proven right when he spoke and justifies when he judges. And so as my blessing over you, friends, I pray the words of this psalm. For my friend, Lord, I pray that you would create in each one of us a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within each. That you would not cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us, but restore us to the joy of your salvation and grant with each one of us a willing spirit to sustain us in your sight. And I pray, Lord, with all that my heart, that the love of the Lord Jesus Christ would surround each one of us. That the fellowship of God the Father would uphold and sustain us. That the power of the Holy Spirit would overwhelm and cleanse us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And we're going to take our offering and sing this fabulous song, Come, Thou Long Expected Jesus. And all God's people said, and to remind you of two quick notices. The first is to say there's cake 
being served with coffee and tea in the hall over there. Go up to the link room. There's some amazing stuff you can buy to help support the hub. Be really good. If you need prayer, if anything this morning has touched you, or you would like uh, just to be with someone and talk through things with someone, then the, uh, several of us, myself and Steve and others, as part of our prayer ministry team, will be here for you. Have a very blessed Sunday. To leave a comment, please go to myhead-baptist.com/sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.